of Cosmos and Stardust and Frequency 2, the divine ascension is calling for you. Of motion and intimacy tangling in love, you will heal the darkness with light from above. You'll suffer in panic and taste of tears. But in this flood, you'll drown out the fears as evil attacks and traps you in bars. Within your scars, you'll multiply stars that heat up the heavens and kiss the moons. You'll flare as the sun and drown out the gloom to resurrect life from every every tomb to interject magic in every womb to breathe protection throughout the earth to reflect project and manifest birth of candles that channel the brightest of loves to dismantle the crows with the whitest of doves to transform the shoves into oceans of hugs to reform your heart with angels blood to shed your skin and sprout your wings to rinse your sin and alchemy sowing seeds of peace in every fight forgiving the wrong in every right in this family of light there is only one rule to be magnetically authentically unapologetically you i'm heath armstrong and this is never stop peaking it's depressing like a dimple on your butt if you behave, you'll get a nickel you can spend on stuff And in time, you'll get a dime if you impress your boss So you can buy some more stuff just to numb your thoughts You've been a space-driven higgity hunk of me since birth Flying through the universe on a rock called Earth Composed of stardust with an emotional gut While you letting conformity slam you up the butt You're not one fucks, two fucks, red fucks, blue fucks You can play duck hunt and wait around for luck Or you can rent a big truck and drive your vision Build a palace to the moon your schmuck friends piss their pants Get up and dance, rocket ship that booty Take a chance for your freedom, miggity milk that booby Cause when the fear attacks, it tries to crack what you're thinking Fuck no, you'll never stop peeking Howdy ho, ladies and gents, boys, girls It has been way too long I apologize, but I'm really not that sorry. What I was doing was mass mass transformation, uh, wandering down to Mexico, spending a lot of time uh, in reflection, in healing. And obviously, for anyone who has listened to the show before now, you might be aware that I was going down to practice some plant medicine to discover some deeper truths. And then after that, I was off to Indonesia for the unconventional life in which I got to reunite with our guest today, which is Whitney Cox, and I'm, I'm really pumped to get into that. But first, I want to talk to you a little bit about, and, and this is just a loose thought, but when I look at my dog, she's amazing. It, it kind of reminds me of a few things. Her name is Sachi, or Sachi Tananda in long. That means experience. Sat is experience. Cheat is consciousness and Tananda is bliss, and together that embodies a very powerful principle for me. But being fully submerged in love is tough. Like, it's not what we are absolutely, I guess, it's not that we aren't capable. It's just that we forget how to do it sometimes. And the reason that I love dogs is because they are one of the only creatures that seem to love me more than I can love myself. (laughs) No matter what, my dogs just love me. They're all in. There's no middle ground. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how I act, how shitty of a person I can become. They just unconditionally love me. 
And I have to think, like, what if we were like that with each other? What if you loved yourself unconditionally, no matter what you do? Because a lot of the topic that I have with Whitney in this conversation today is about finally just unzipping and opening up that heart to the world. Dogs give 100%. What if we gave 100% of our love to ourselves and the world? Think about the change that would, that would bring. Most of us just half-ass our lives. This is pure robbery, not only to us, but to the world. We are part of this world to create, to contribute, to fully submerge ourselves in our higher calling and our talents, which fully submerges us into the collective consciousness for its higher callings and talents. The world needs you to be 100% you and to give 100% effort towards bringing, bringing your magic to life because that's how life thrives collectively. If you hold back, you are robbing the planet and everyone in it of the beauty that you have to offer because the world needs it. We need it as a team, collectively, in this big, sexy web. We need it. We need you. So be like a pup. Wag that ass, baby. Not half ass, but the full ass, the tail and everything. Strip down and let us see that 100% bare skin beauty. And that, my friends, is a principle that is simple because we have dogs all around us. So every time you look at one, just think, how do we give 100% love to ourselves and the world? And things may start to trickle in the right direction. Everything's beautiful. Everything's great. You know, we don't want to think that things aren't good because that puts those thoughts into the world. And that is changing the pattern of the world, whether you believe it or not. If you think negative, it's putting negative energy out there. So let's think about all the good stuff. And you, you owe yourself 100% love. Look at those pups. Look at those pups. Look at how they're looking at you. Sexy. Because you deserve it. So today, oh, I'm so excited to finally put another episode out first, but also because it's so special that I got to do it with Whitney. And I really, 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 really believe in Whitney in so many different ways. And she is the CEO of Warrior Girl and the Kaylele Collection. And I met Whitney in Nicaragua at the Unconventional Life Entrepreneur Bash in late 2017. And she had recently recovered from an unexpected battle with breast cancer. And I couldn't help but notice the immense energetic physical and mental strength that she was embodying in a world where energy is everything her vibes are needed more than ever and it was apparent whitney is now the ceo of warrior girl um, which is a coaching retreat program for other warriors who wish to fight for the life that they deserve and if warrior girl had a physical representation of the spiritual and emotional transformation that she experienced uh, through the breast cancer um, series. Then the Kalele collection is her clothing line, and that is the visual transformation, which is also very beautiful, powerful, and creative. And in this interview, Whitney said, the operation split me open from the inside. My heart softened, and I opened up to the world. And that changed everything. So I'm humbled to have had Whitney on the show on Never Stop Peaking for the first time. I know her story will open your heart, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what stinky and silly little things that you are doing with your nice afternoon, morning, evening, whatever you want to call it. 
for all of the show notes, it's heatharmstrong.com forward slash podcast. This is on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, whatever you want. It's there. If you guys want to donate $2 to the Help Uganda Foundation that I work with, um, leave a review on iTunes. And if you own a sweet-ass journal or a sweet-ass domination deck, if you leave a review on Amazon for those, if you've purchased them through the platform, then we also donate just to help the cause. So if you do, send a screenshot to us and let me know in... And I, I just like am forever grateful for that kind of thing. Also, oh man, I forgot how to do this fucking podcast thing. It's been too long. <laughs> also, we do a giveaway every show. And so I'm going to give away another physical domination deck because I got some new ones into my apartment in Portland and I'm here for a couple months. So heatharmstrong.com forward slash giveaway. You'll get entered to win that and every other future show giveaway, which is a pretty cool deal, if you ask me. And yeah, I don't know what else to say about all those ridiculous fucking links. The, the, the moral of the story is, give me your email address so I can harass you with more things that may or may not change your life in the future. And it may allow me to also contribute money to a better cause. So that's up to you. You can squeeze your nipples and think about it if you want. And with that being said, I'll get right into the show with Whitney Love all of you. Happy to be back. Happy to be posting consistently again. And let's rage, baby. Let's rage. Oh, also, there's a flash sale on RageCreate.com right now. We got the store up. Everything is 2222 because that is the only number that matters in the universe. It's actually not true. It's an incredible number, but there are other numbers that definitely matter. But go check it out. RageCreate.com. Sweet-ass domination deck on Amazon. Buy all my things. Tell everybody about my stuff. Buy it all so I can continue to do this because this shit rules. No, but for real, I love all of you. And here is an incredible story with Whitney. And let's get into it. Peace. such a lovely voice so this is going to be nice <laughs> Whitney I am pumped to talk to you it's it's kind of crazy because I was thinking about when we met in Nicaragua and how it's only been a year between now and then and the mass transitions that I've had happen in my life and it just feels like it's been so much longer and I was curious if if you look back on that, if that last year went really fast for you, if it was also super slow. Um, you know, it's funny. Looking back, I feel like this year went by in an, a flash. Yeah. But when I think about where I was a year ago, it feels like it was a fucking million years ago. You know what I mean? Like when I when I think about all the things that have happened, the people that I've met, the things that I've done, 
Yeah, I you get know? it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind it's, of... Sorry. <laughs> no, it's my, my bad. I, I was just going to say, I really... I, I used to think that time went really, you know, the saying time flies when you're having fun. And I used to believe that, but now that I, I like look back on the, the accomplishments or the progress over a year and even being around you in, in Nicaragua, like was very uh, inspiring. Like you have, you have a very incredible energy about you. And I continue to follow you after that, especially with your amazing dance stuff that I need to talk to you about soon. Um, but like looking back now, I, I feel like, the last three years have felt like my entire life. It feels like forever. And then everything before that, that didn't really have a lot of purpose or I didn't, it, it was just, you know, kind of existing and not really living it. I don't remember any of it. So it feels like it went by in a flash. Although in those moments, it may feel like it's, it's very long and drawn out and depressing. And in these moments, it feels like they go really quickly because we're having so much fun or we're doing stuff that we love. But when I look back, it feels like it goes really slow. So it's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, to be in that paradox it's like a double it's like there's two times there's like two ways of measuring time or some things i actually was just talking to my boyfriend about this this morning because i was like i can't even remember what it was like to not live my life the way i live it now that's not <laughs> to say that my life is like you know a total walk in the park and i don't have moments where i'm totally doubtful and i'm like dude you are so far off the reservation it's not even funny like um, but it's like, it's such a different feeling working and living in a way that's like really aligned with who you are. Like not everybody needs to leave wall street or move to Columbia to live a life that like live a more meaningful life for everybody. It's going to have a, a different meaning. But like when, I think when you, when you have made that transformation, like time has a different quality to it. I think before I was just before I made this life change, I was just waiting for the clock of my life to run out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. So I want to talk to you about how it was before. So I, I don't usually get too much into personal stories on this show just because it always ends up in authentic conversation. But with you in particular, I think you have the most powerful story and then I, I do want to talk about it if that's okay with you. Yeah. Um, especially going from Wall Street to Columbia, like you had mentioned, do you think you could take us through a little bit of that transition, why it happened, but also if there's somebody out there who doesn't believe in magic or manifesting or bringing visions to reality, look at yourself back then and who you were and look at yourself now. And how has that changed for you as well, given the, the scenario that you went through and the hardships to go from Wall Street and dealing with the health issues and coming down to Columbia and now living and inspiring and becoming a life coach and creating amazing clothing and posting the most phenomenal dance videos on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, just all, all of it, any, any direction you want to go. Because, sure. Yeah. sure. No. And, um, you know, it, I, I want to start by saying also, I, 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 you know, I talk about my, my life before on wall street, but I'm always very careful to say that like, I am not a wall street hater. Um, I, you know, have met, I've met some of the most, the most intelligent, um, hilarious, hardworking, creative, disciplined, talented people in my entire life. Um, and I actually, I actually just wrote a, uh, a post about this. It'll be coming out in like a couple of weeks. It's actually my tribute to wall street and just talking about all the things that I learned on wall street and how I carried it with me to today. 
But the, my, my issue with Wall Street was that everybody's different. There could be somebody at, you know, that's working on Wall Street right now and is, is feeling as aligned, aligned as fuck, excuse the language, with, you know, with what they're doing and they should continue to do that, right? So in my work, I don't, I, I don't preach for people to take the exact same path as me, but I do invite them to go through a similar self um self introspective uh, introspection that i went through um as a result of working on wall street and then uh overcoming breast cancer so i worked on wall street for like 15 years um wow, i had like a, a long super time yeah yeah i should i'm like probably dating myself <laughs> no it was two years it was two years um but I basically, you know, on the, on the outsides, like I had checked all the boxes of, of, of success, right? Like I went to an Ivy League school. I got the fancy job on Wall Street. I did my master's degree. I had the fancy apartment in New York City. I had the right wardrobe. I went, you know, I made sure I was looking good all the time. But on the inside, I was really feeling, I felt like I was dying inside. Um, and what I now understand later with the gift of hindsight is that I probably was um, starting to, you know, starting to have some of the um, the effects of, of the cancer that was developing. Um, and, you know, it was really a hard position to be in because I felt like everybody in the world was like supposedly wanted this lifestyle, right? And there's a lot of shame involved when you think about like, bucking the status quo, like flipping your bird, flipping the bird to like the American dream. And, and it's scary. Right. And I remember, um, I had just gotten to a point like emotionally, um, and spiritually, it was such a low point for me. I felt like a shell of a person. I felt like I was constantly on repeat. Like my life was just groundhog day. Um, I would like get up at like four in the morning and then like get to work at six working all day. Then I would like run to the gym or to a dance class because you have to work out because if you don't work out, then you're not the, this. And then I would run home to eat dinner and then I would run to get into bed because I had to get up at 4 a.m. to do it all over again. And, and I just, I, I just couldn't get down with the fact that like there wasn't anything better out there. And everybody was like, no, there's nothing else better. This is it. This is the only life. This is the dream and you're living it. So shut up and just keep going. And, um, I started making some changes to the way that I, what I, what I put in my body. Um, you know, the noise in my head got to be so loud that I had to be, I was forced to start to pursue some sort of self-care regime. Um, and I, I like to say that, you know, I think the beginning of my transformation started when I went back to dance class. I finally, um, you know, gave myself the time. I say like, if you don't make space to do the things that you love in your life, that life won't make the space for the things that you love in your life either. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I had, a, I had all the excuse in the world to be like, I got to get up at four. I can't do these dance classes. They're late at night. I need to sleep. Uh, but I would like take naps right after work and I would start dancing these African dance classes with live drums and the drumming I think really started was the start of like the gentle and slow awakening of my heart and my soul. Um, and once that happened, I started feeling so good and I was taking care of my body. I was feeling good. I was eating well. My world started to become a little bit bigger as I made space for more things than the universe made more space for me. And I remember thinking, all right, Whitney, 
I had just gotten my bonus one year. I should have been like so fucking psyched with the money that I was making. And I was devastated. I was like, I'm 35 years old. I can't keep doing this job. I don't know how to change it. Nobody's going to want to hire me. I'm too overtrained to only do one thing. I'm too old to have a career change. Like I just basically thought that my life was over. I was like the rest of my life is just going to be miserable. And I was like washed up and I had no idea how to turn the ship around. Right. And, um, I decided that I wasn't going to attach myself to the results. I was going to attach myself to the process of just like one long research process of like figuring out what other people did with their lives that were outside of wall street. Cause everybody, I knew everybody, I grew up with work on wall street, everybody I worked with all my social circle, it was all wall street. And, uh, so I started this, you know, research process of just like awkwardly, you know, if I would hear a conversation of someone that did something remotely interesting, I said, can I call your friend? You know, I would like have these weird coffee dates and phone dates. And by the end of that year, it took an entire year, but I just became curious in the process and I got an offer to go to Columbia. Uh, this Swiss fund offered me um, a fellowship to go help a Colombian company for 10 months. Was this somebody that was asking you or that you met through interviewing other people that were outside of Wall Street or was it yeah. within Wall Street? Yeah, outside of Wall Street. Yeah. It was a friend of a friend from grad school. It's so amazing because just really quick, as you mentioned this, this is very similar to the process I had because I worked in the construction industry for 10 years and was just consumed by it. And my way out was to start interviewing people that were not in it, people that were traveling and doing other things. and then in that process, all these amazing connections started to open up and opportunities that were not there before and opportunities that were specifically for me that the universe was making with that new space that I was allowing for the passion. And that led to my businesses and that led to where I am today. And it's, I love hearing it from you too, because I do talk to a lot of people, but not everyone is someone who just went out and started interviewing other people and how they did it and then got those connections that way. Do you, do you know, you know, Brooke and Wilhelm, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're um, amazing. I, I did, um, I did like a Facebook series with Brooke and Wilhelm and we were talking and I love what Brooke said. She said this, this, she coined this phrase and she said, proximity to proof, right? It's surrounding yourself with people that lead lives that you want to live. And, and that's what we did, right? In interviewing those people. Yeah. It's, it's like, like trying to figure out like how those people think, what they do, who they hang out with, what, you know. What, whatever, what they eat, what they drink, you know, how they work out. It's like that proximity to the, to the proof instead of what I was doing before, which was going to the hardware store, looking for oranges, like asking my dad, who's like a company dude for 35 years, or like, you know, my girlfriends who are like married housewives for advice. It's, there's nothing wrong with the way that they live their lives, but I couldn't ask them for advice because they weren't going to give me the advice or the support that I needed. Yeah. Like what I was looking for. Um, and so, um, it was that it, it's like a daunting process at first, but I think, yeah, you and I are both, are both examples that, that it does work. And so I, I, I remember thinking like, I was like, I'm 37 and I, you know, I was like in New York, people are like, you better like, you can't go to Columbia. Like you better like try and get married before you're not cute anymore. And nobody's going <laughs> to want to have you like, what are you 37? Oh like, you know, like, and, uh, people are like, are you crazy? Like people don't leave jobs like this. Like, and honestly, yeah. you, when it, when it comes to like thing, things to, you know, matters of the heart and the soul, like 
you can't use your rational mind because they're not, they don't come from a rational place, right? Like those creative miracles that we see worked into our lives, like never come from like, well, I got to be the company guy and then I got to save up to get the mortgage and then, and then I'll pay off the car. It's like, that's not how you make magic in your life. Right. Um, right. And so I, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know, like I thought to myself, like, well, um, I, you know what it was? I was more scared about my life staying the same than I was about the, the risk of, of, of the uncertainty in, um, that was ahead of me. So I said, fuck it. If I, it was 10 months. I was like, if I don't like it, I'll just, I'll come back. And at least I'd rather re I'd rather regret going than regret what, what, what could have been in not going. And, um, so I went and it took me on this path. I was running a foundation. I was like living my, my dream life. Like it was amazing dancing, reconnected with nature, like parts of me, you know, I was not a New Yorker. Like, you know, I was like in the jungle, swimming in rivers, waterfalls, scuba diving. Like I was like, what? There's like this whole world out there that I just, I, I never even knew was existed. Did you grow up in the city? Yeah. So you, okay. And I, it was interesting when you started talking earlier about how you, it all kind of became something that you felt again when you started dancing. Cause I, I understand that for me, when I started making the transition, it was like, I got a bicycle again at like age 25. And when I started yeah. riding it, I slowly started remembering how amazing it was just to do things like that, that had no ties to anything else, like no electronics that were surrounding me, which can be amazing in their own right. But like, just getting back to those weird, amazing things that we did as children and how that can actually be the catalyst for you moving back into your higher self. It's, it's so true. He, you know, I grew up, I, we moved to the city when I was like 15 or 16, but I grew up in the suburbs. And so I drove my bike to school, you know, catch fireflies in the summer and yeah. the evenings, like skiing in the winter. And, and it's exact, I think you're right. And I think it has to do with like, just connecting to, um, it's like playing, it's like learning to play again, which in New York, like my version of playing was like going shopping or like going out partying, like, or going to brunch. Like that wasn't, you know, what was like, it wasn't moving me. It was, my soul was like dry and empty and was like begging me for more, uh, for nurturing. Um, and so everything was awesome. Everything was perfect. And then I got diagnosed with breast cancer last year. <laughs> Um, how many years had you been in Colombia before that happened? Just, just Columbia for two years. So it was pretty, was it something that had started developing that you didn't know about before that? Yeah, I didn't even feel anything. I went to the, a new doctor. I had, it's just funny when you think about the synchronicity of events in your life, it's like, I could have, they, they told, they found the tumor in Colombia. Um, the doctor did something that is like totally outside of like the medical norms for cancer screening in the U S. Um, so I basically had to be in Colombia at this doctor at that time because it had it been earlier, the tumor would have been too small. She wouldn't have been able to find it. Had it been later, it would have been much more advanced. Um, so, you know, at the time it's like, all the people that love me, you know, they're fear-based thinking, no, you got to stay where it's secure. You got to stay where the money is or where you can meet the rich guy and you got to do this and that. But what they didn't know is that had I stayed in that job, my probably, my cancer probably wouldn't have been detected until much later. So what does security really mean? Right. right. And also because I'm totally aligned with, I don't know, I love the intuition battle. Like, do, do you think that 
somehow your body knew that you needed to go down there to to find this person to or or that it just magically came together because that's how it was supposed to be anyways uh, no I, I think I think it's exactly what you say yeah. I think I had started doing a lot of work on um fine-tuning my intuition and getting in touch with my my um you know my higher intelligence or whatever you want to call it and the, the call was so loud for me to go to Colombia and to be in this particular city that I just think my yeah like my body and soul knew that like it was setting me up for for something much for something much bigger and it's a reminder too to myself to listeners whatever um but it's like never judge anything for as bad luck because like, you know, my bad luck of five years ago could have been an event that was, you know, contributing to me being in that medical, in that doctor's office at that time that was going to lead me to that perfect event where I would have my life saved, yeah. you know? <laughs> oh, I get goosebumps when I hear stuff like this. <laughs> it's just so real. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't, the rational mind wouldn't be like, yeah, you should definitely do what you did. You know, the rational mind's like, play it safe, um, keep working, save up enough money until you can, um, until you can have enough money to actually live the way that you want to live. <laughs> and, you know, when I got sick, it was like a real crash course in like, um, I mean, basically as a woman, like every fear that you could have, like crashed down on my shoulders out at the at the same time right it was like mortality vanity um financial fear like it's super expensive to have cancer like my relationships like is my boyfriend gonna break up with me like fertility am I gonna be able to have kids like all these things fell on my shoulders and like you know I remember thinking like the first night out of surgery was so hardcore it was such a hardcore surgery I had no idea and I literally thought I was gonna die that night and I remember thinking like well if I'm going to die, um, I'll die happy because I did whatever the fuck I wanted over these past two years. And I had the time of my life and I will like, I, I'm good. Like I'm, I'm good. You know? Yeah. What, what did you feel like when you first found that out? Uh, I was like totally <laughs> in denial. Um, I remember calling my boyfriend and I was like, that's it. I was like, this is bullshit. I was in New York. I flew to New York and, uh, called him in Colombia and I was like that's bullshit this fuck this everybody's liars they're all liars I'm coming home I'm not doing an operation I'm, I'm coming home I'm just gonna come back to Colombia and uh it, it's really it was really hard it was really really hard and you're faced with a, like a lot of difficult choices all at once and I think I thought that I always thought that like life would be perfect if only I managed well um and I was like, I don't eat gluten. Like, I don't even eat like dairy, like sugar. Like, what the fuck? Like, are you serious? Like, um, and it was a real lesson of like, it was like a crash course in learning like how big the universe is and how much bigger this whole thing is than just me or you. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And yeah. it placed my life into such a new perspective active about just like enjoying what it is to wake up in the morning and not have pain like get up and like wake up in the morning and be able to get dressed by yourself I mean these were things that I couldn't do in the aftermath of my surgery like I was you know chronic pain like all these things that like I, I just I remember like laying in bed one night just staring at the ceiling like dying in pain and like just thinking all right well yeah I have two choices 
Like you could be miserable and a victim and like feel like, you know, you got cheated for the rest of your life, which in was, I, I, I guess I would have had a right to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Or I can just make the best of the whatever life I have left, you know, and I, and I knew the fucking answer. It was clear. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to like, I'm going to make the best out of what I have left. And you know what? I want to help other people to live this way. And that is where my dream to be a coach was born. Um, you know, I was working in foundations before and, and I, and I really liked that, but I just, something happened to me after I got sick that I just, um, like the entrepreneurial spirit in me and like just wanting to like share in my story with, with the hopes that like I can inspire someone else to, to change the way that they live because like life is so short, you know, and I feel so grateful that I made that change so that like when I was confronted with the like, I don't know, are you going to make it through the night, dude? I was like, all right, I'm good. I'm, I'm pretty good with what I've created, you know, whether or not like, like even though it doesn't always go the way I've planned, like I tried and I, I've been risking and living in, in, in alignment with my heart and that's worth everything to me. Yeah. So the, the experience drastically changed your perception of the why of life, which it, it, it's hard for the whole world that hasn't had that kind of experience to, to see these beautiful things. Like it really does. That's why telling your story is so important because the, for those who aren't going to experience it yet, um, in, Mine obviously wasn't anywhere near as drastic as yours, although I did battle some very severe alcoholism where, to where I did feel like I was dying and I did feel similar in some ways. Um, and, and it made me change my perspective and start looking at the things that I used to worry and stress about in life before that, that no longer really carried any importance whatsoever afterwards. And then on the flip side, kind of what we took for granted before or lacked to notice they, those things start to come to the forefront of our life because we really do see the value in these like small moments or really strong, good, authentic relationships or doing something every day that does matter, that does work towards your vision, that does help other people. And I'm really happy that you got through that. And I'm really, really excited because the web that, that continues to grow from you sharing this and then actually helping other people. And you mainly work with women, right? Yeah. I mean, I have some warrior guys, but mostly, mostly warrior girls. <laughs> yeah. So you, do you have another, your site's WhitneyCoxCoaching.com, right? And this is like your coaching site. It's actually WarriorGirlCoaching.com. Ah, WarriorGirlCoaching.com. Nice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which is an amazing name. It fits you so well, knowing you. Um, but I'd like, you, you played a little bit before, you know, you got to Columbia and I can't help but ignore, or I can't help but not ignore this, this calming that that probably had on your body. Like, cause the feeling that you get when you leave something that you're so used to that, you know, isn't right. And your body's guiding you down to this place, Columbia. And it's, it's a whole nother world, but in a way I feel like before you even found out, like that was actually healing you to an extent as well. Like it was pulling so much stress away that may have actually contributed double to the breast cancer that may have made it more potent quicker. And it could have been something that you may not have caught had you not been in Columbia for that little bit of time before you did catch it. You know, and thinking about stuff so like that. It's so funny Heath, that you say that because I remember when I was in one of the meetings, I think it was with my oncologist or the surgeon and I was, I was so pissed off, you know, and I was like, I don't understand. Like I don't drink. I don't eat sugar. Like I work out every day. Like 
I don't even like, you know, I was like, I eat well, like, how could this have happened? I meditate. And, and he was like, Whitney, honestly, like, the reason that you have such a good diagnosis is most likely because you made those changes that you made a few years ago. Yeah. And when they operated on me, I was strong, you know, and I yeah. had like, I had like the emotional and spiritual tools necessary to like, make sure that I was like, I was fit. I was spiritually fit. You know, um, I was physically strong. I was physically healthy. I was able to recover more quickly. Um, so I, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for, sorry, because you had that physical strength and then you went through that process. How did that affect your mental strength afterwards? Um, I have to tell you, it was a really tough, um, the year following my double mastectomy, I went through, um, but now I see in retrospect that it was something that I needed. So I have always been, I guess you would call it a type personality, grew up with brothers, worked on a trading floor, like very much like there's a no crying in baseball type approach to life. Like, like if you want to get something done, do it yourself, very independent. Um, and in the aftermath of my operation and my subsequent recovery, I had really dark moments and they say you go through like a PTSD just from the shock and then the actual, you know, it's like you have like you're an amputee, you know, and there's a lot of grief, um, loss attached to that, even like physical reactions from your body of like just the trauma of what happened. Um, and so I had some moments where I was like just really, really dark. Um, and I became, I became very dependent on people. Like I was dependent on people to like help me get dressed, to help me walk around. Um, you know, I wasn't as strong as I used to be. And I really learned, like, it was almost like that, the operation, um, I get like a little emotional when I talk about it, but you know, I, I feel like the operation, like it, it split me open from the inside, like emotionally as well. And I just like my heart softened and like opened up to the world, you know, like I was always a bit, you know, guarded and protected with respect to my parents. And then all of a sudden, you know, I was like the rebel child, like living all over the world. And like all of a sudden after 25 years, I'm like back under the same roof as my parents are like nursing me back to health. You know, like my boyfriend, I really had to allow him, let him in and be really vulnerable around people around my family around my friends tell people that I needed them tell people that I loved them and I and I did need them you know for the first time in my life I really needed people and and I see now that like in finding my vulnerability um and my and my weakness it it made me so much stronger because I feel like I I really embraced parts of me that I had had locked up so tight you know um and it's like so, a whole nother level of unconditional love like if you yes. think about the question, what does love mean to you before this all happened? And then afterwards, how, how would that be different? Um, you know, it really makes you throw your bullshit in the, in the trash and, and get rid of your ego real quick. I mean, I like to use the example of like my relationship with my mom. Um, you know, I could, I could tell you a whole slew of things that I feel like, you know, she's done wrong or that I don't, didn't like about, you know, the way I was raised or whatever. Right. We all have our shit with our parents. But, uh, when, you know, there is nobody in this world that loves you like your parents do. And so all of that shit melted away in an instant when I got sick and it continues to be that way for me now. I just threw out, like, it's just, 
it, it completely dissolved all of the ego related bullshit that we have in our relationships. So for that, I'm internally grateful for the heart opening that resulted because of, because of my cancer and my subsequent surgery. Yeah. I, I often think of ego and when battling the ego, I, I made big progress when I realized that that dragon, you know, if I just take the time to step aside from it and say, Hey, I see you, I notice you, yeah. what do you have? Like, what are you trying to tell me? Then usually at that moment, it, it hands something over. Like it just kind of hands it over. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So like we can be friends. Like I can notice yeah. this and, and, and it changes everything. It's, it's, it's crazy how much it changes. Everything. It's like when you can bring curiosity into it, yeah then right because like our, our we have like an operating system and like certain things they just trigger me it's like it's my system it's my ios and like instead of like going for the trigger if you can open an up to curiosity and like like oh like is this like a lesson here then i, I that helps me to like disarm my ego and i t i feel like when my ego's like when when that crazy bitch is popping off like i can feel it in my body you yeah. know, it's like, a, I don't know like how it manifests for you, but it's like, for me, it's like a tightness in my chest. And it's like this adrenaline feeling that I feel like I need to react like immediately. And if you just like, when you bring the curiosity in and you're like, let me just like push that edge a little bit and see where it takes me, you get opened up to like whole new possibilities for, for interacting with other people. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating. And it, you know, the ego, I think, thrives when we forget who we are as, as children when we come in. Like before billboards and, and advertisements and TV try to form us into the person that we become and then we forget. We, we're kind of like a species with amnesia. Like we, we come yeah. into this world with so much magic and so much gold, but over time all these layers are stacked upon us. And at that point, our ego sort of starts to take over. And then it's just life is a matter of like, yeah, we might all have – at some level, a sledge point, a sledgehammer moment, you know, that, that drastically affects something like our position or, or our transition in life. And at that point, we start finding out ways to peel back these layers to get back to that just primal, golden, amazing, I want to say Zen body of like, golden energy that we came in with, and figuring that out. And when we can do that, then we're like, Oh, well, the ego still there, like, it doesn't go away. But but yeah. we realize that like these amazing things that we do as a child or like going outside in nature because we're from nature, we should be in nature. Like we don't charge with electronics. We charge in waterfalls Yeah, and all of that kind of plays in and, Oh, it makes me so excited. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because one of the, you know, I've been, I started doing these warrior girl retreats. Um, yeah. In, I do them here in Colombia. I did one in October and I have another one coming up at the end of February. And the idea is really is like to take people in through my transformation process, but like in a real life experiential way. Um, and one of the components is like, you know, learning how to tap back into that connection that we have with nature, right? And learning and learning to listen um, to that, like, I always find when I have like a big problem now, like I just go into nature and I try to look for the wisdom there, you know? Um, and, uh, 
there'll be like we're doing dance workshops and there are workshops that are that are uh, led by me where I use I take people through the actual tools that I used um, like I have like a whole daily routine you know to get to get you better in touch with your intuition to get more in line with your unique purpose um, so it's like it's like five days of like it's like living my transformational process in five days and it's down here in Colombia and it's like in the, you know, we're like in the jungle, like we're in the mountains, we're in the lakes, we're doing like healing ceremonies. Like it's, I don't know. I, I, I totally agree with you. Like, I feel like now, you know, I, I grew up, I grew up in the suburbs, but I spent most of my life in the city and I notice it now when I come back home to New York, I was just in New York for like two weeks and, um, my energy changes. It's just like when I don't have nature around me, like that nurturing healing force of nature, like I just become more agitated. My energy feels more frenetic. I have trouble sleeping at night. Um, I feel super claustrophobic. It's like become such a essential part of my life right now that I like, I can't even imagine as much as I love New York and my family's there. Like I just can't even imagine a life without having like that constant access to nature anymore. That's why I came to Oregon. Cause it's just a Mecca of outdoor activity. And yeah, when I was just down in Mexico and I did some plant medicine ceremonies and some ayahuasca and some mezcal sweat lodges and talking to the doctor afterwards and looking at my deficiencies, even though like I'm constantly drawn to nature and I spent a lot of time in it. He was like, your deficiency is still very high GABA. And this means that you need to spend more time in nature. I'm wow. like, Cause like I have a lot of air and I have all these ideas and I bring them down, but like I go to nature and I talk to the plants and the trees and, and like, that's where I get a lot of my downloads. But he yeah. was basically like, you need to spend more time, like not just two or three days, but like maybe four or five days and work yeah. two days. And I'm like, what? Like, this is insane, but it's, it's our playground. What? Right. And it's like, yeah. we have to be willing to move into that. And our thoughts are really our highest form of creativity and if we want those thoughts to come through, then we have to be able to clear those channels. And, and just like you said, like, I feel it when I'm not there, like my hips, my shoulders get so tense. It's insane. It's like, you just know, you know, you got to go, right. You know, you got to do yeah. it. Yeah. So where can people find out more about those, those retreats though? Because that actually sounds really interesting. I'm coming down to Columbia for the first time in March or um, May, I think. So, oh, awesome. I know. I, I've been wanting to come for a long time. And uh, yeah. Did you talk to Catalina you. that was in? She's from Colombia also. She was at the no. Young Conventional Life. I didn't talk to her. Yeah. Her family has like a cacao farm down there and a coffee farm. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I would love to go check that stuff out too. It would Apart be beautiful. It's, I mean, it, it, the coffee region is like one of the most beautiful parts of, of Colombia. I'm in, I'm in Cali on the Pacific coast, which is like, um, yeah. it's about 90 miles from the Pacific sea. And it's like, um, it's gorgeous. It has like, like sugarcane fields, but mountain ranges, it, like a whole bunch of different microclimates. It's the tropics, but it gets like breezy at night. You don't need air conditioning. It's, it's wonderful. It's the capital of salsa for those who love to dance. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, you know, if anybody is, is interested, if any of the uh, listeners are interested in learning more, my, um, all my retreats um, and programs are on my website. 
website, which is warriorgirlcoaching.com. And there's a section that says, check out my retreat. So you can uh, see information on my next retreat there. Yeah. <laughs> cool. cool. Hey, what I wanted to ask you, um, this too, and this is post post all this amazing stuff that in by amazing, I mean like a beautiful transition, right? Not, not amazing that you had to feel that pain, but all the, the gorgeous stuff that came out of it and the person that you are now and what you've learned and, and kind of felt for the transformation, but still like in the person that you are now and, and I very much vulnerable about pointing out things that make me uncomfortable with myself. And I think it's really important for, for people to hear that even though we become this higher version of ourselves, we're still very vulnerable. So what are, what are you most uncomfortable about with yourself still like now? And how do you work on rising above that? Yeah. Well, I think the most difficult thing for me right now that I'm dealing with is the transition into being an entrepreneur. Um, and what is the challenges that come with it? Because I, I believe that being an entrepreneur is like doing like uh, a UFC. It's like a UFC match with your mindset and with <laughs> like all your like doubts and your fears come up. And so it's been learning how to, and, and, and look, no one becomes a successful entrepreneur overnight. There are a lot of people out there on the interweb that I think talk that have a rhetoric that would imply that like you just become like an overnight millionaire. (laughs) Um, And being an entrepreneur takes time. Um, It's nonstop work. Um, and it's for like a fraction of the money that you make in a corporate job and you don't have, you know, your healthcare and you don't have the stable salary. And so all of these things, um, and then on top of it, it's your baby, right? Like if you're at like a firm, you're like, oh, well, if I don't do well, if I get fired, like I'll just get another job or something like that. But like when it's your baby and you put all your heart and soul into this, into this baby, um, it can trigger a lot of doubt, a lot of fear. And I think that like coming to peace with that, that kind of like we were talking about, about the ego, that those things are going to exist, but that I keep going despite that, um, has been, um, has been really pivotal for me in, in this process. And, and to any entrepreneurs that are listening, that are new entrepreneurs and they're wondering like, cause you know, sometimes I have moments I'm like, Oh, maybe I should just go back to like getting a stable paycheck and just like you know, <laughs> do nothing all day or I don't have to work so hard. I mean, I never really mean that because the sensation of like making your living out of doing what you love, there's no greater gift I'm convinced in, the, in this world. And there's no greater gift that you can give back to people than doing what you love in, in life. And in those moments, it's like right after you think that thought, you make sure you correct it immediately because you don't want to put that thought out into the universe. Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) And and, and as a coach too, you know, look, I'm a coach and like I've I've gone through this transformational process, but I'm still just a human being, right? So like I have moments of doubt. I have moments when I wonder if I'm a failure. I have moments if I I wonder I'm crazy if I should have just married a rich guy and just, you know, been laughing my ass off in the south of France right now or something like that. Like (laughs) like I just and I I'm saying this because, you know, if listeners out there that work in the in the wellness industry, you know, it's okay, right? It's okay. You're still human. You're you're like I think the the thing to keep in mind is to, to just try and be a little bit better than you were yesterday, you know? Yeah, I love that. 1% better. 
right? How do you affect yourself 1% better? How do you help other people around you become 1% better every day? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any weird, uh, this may be a a no for you, but do you have any weird reoccurring visions or dreams um, or intuitive guidings that influence what you spend your time, your energy and your creations on? It's so funny that you asked that question. People are probably going to think I'm crazy, but I have what I think I, um, what I, I think is one of like my master spirit guides. I'm not sure, but I've seen this vision repeatedly over and over again in my journey. And it is, it's like a, it's like a part, it's like part of it has to do with the warrior and warrior girl. Um, like I see these, like a lot of times I see this vision of like this, like it's almost like an indigenous warrior girl. Um, but I have this blue, <laughs> this falcon that he says the body of a man and the head of a falcon. And he's come to me in various occasions. And I'm, con- and, and like when I am in doubt, like I remember the visions and the messages and the downloads I get from the Falcon. This sounds so insane as it's coming out of my mouth. It's not at all. I promise you. It's amazing. (laughs) Um, But it keeps me, it keeps me centered. It reminds me, it reminds me, it helps me to keep my focus on my dreams and not to let my fear cheat me into living a boring life, playing it safe. You know, did you know Uh, that, that raw was merged with the God Horus and Horus is an Egyptian god that had a falcon head. You should look into that. Really? So Horus and, and I can't remember if it's Mon, I don't know how it's pronounced, like Montu or Montu, but those are both Egyptian gods that had the head of a falcon. And this is a recurring vision that comes up a lot, especially if you look into ayahuasca recounts. There are a lot of okay. people that, that come in contact with um, body of man with a falcon head. And this is a deity that could actually be protecting you or, or guiding you in some way. So you might have more of a connection to it. Um, oh, yeah. Awesome. I'm going to yeah. look into that. As far as the blue and all of that, I'm not sure, but it's, it's, I always get, I go down rabbit holes with that stuff. <laughs> so you're not crazy. Well, I saw it when we did the, um, I've seen it a bunch of times. And then when we did that breath work in, uh, in, when we were at, in Bali, um, it was like unmistakable, like the Falcon yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. He was Horus. I'm pretty sure was like one of the most significant Egyptian deities and certainly something to work at. And I, you know what, if I can remember, I'm pretty sure it's like a red body. It's kind of like Ray, you know how the Egyptian artwork is. I'm pretty sure it's a blue Falcon head. It is. I'm looking on this picture right now. Oh, did you Google one? I Googled it and yeah. he has like a, yeah, he's a blue falcon on his head. It's insane. I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> so this isn't a coincidence that this is coming through. I mean, it, for some people listening, they might think that this is insane, but I promise that if they're listening to my show, they've heard many insane things that to be honest, again, I got to stop saying that over and over again. Um, it's not crazy it's only crazy and insane because in our world we have started labeling things like that to be crazy and insane and if you conform yeah. it's not but yeah. to discover these things and to actually explore them it might be the least insane thing that we do it might be the key to finding out who we really are and where we actually come from in this giant world where we are a big species of amnesia and obviously we're here and it's like 
we don't know where he came from. We're all trying to figure it out. It has to have some sort of connection to these energies because everything is energy. And yeah, Horus. That's that's Horus. that's cool. If nothing else came out of this brilliant conversation, which many <laughs> things did, I'm very happy that that was something that came up. And I don't you know do why I asked you that. To be honest, it just like, hit me. I was like, I feel like I I want to ask her if she. I I had a feeling that. Maybe you had some sort of weird reoccurring visions. Well, you know what I think it's funny just to not to like, you know, talk too much, but I, I was just thinking, you know, you're saying how we convince people to think that believing stuff like this is insane and not believing it is, is sane and, or crazy or whatever. And like, think about like what the like belief system that we put on society. It's like, you have to get a job, you have to get married, you have to have a kid, you have to like have a pet, you have to have a house, you have to have a car. You get a job, it doesn't really matter if you like it or not. You spend 70% of your life in that job, um, in it cooped up in an office, and then what? You get like 10 or 15 years of like retirement? <laughs> you make it that far. Yeah. Like, Without isn't feeling that, like you're dying the whole time. Isn't that fucking crazy? I don't know. It is. It is. I mean, I think there's a role. I, I, I think that it does fit some people really well and there's nothing wrong with like, I used to think I used to feel so bad for myself when I was in those positions. Like, Oh, and then I met this amazing man named Dave Lent who became an early mentor of mine. He was like, dude, you got to stop looking at your job. Like it's this terrible thing. Like it is something that will actually like, like you look at wall street, right? It's something that supported you to get to the point that you needed to be at to make the transition. Yeah. And it's yeah. whether or not you're going to pay attention to that or not. And I think that the majority, if not everybody has a situation where they do have an opportunity to make a transition. It's whether or not we're listening. It's whether or not right. we're actually letting it happen. Are we suppressing those feelings? Are we clogging our gut so we can't actually feel our intuition? Uh, you know, are we sitting on couches with the hands down their pants and eating yeah. fried chicken and watching Springer all day long and ignoring these types of feelings that are trying to channel through us. I don't know. I think a lot of us do that and, I, and we do it for a certain amount of time, but at some point there's a transition and maybe for some it's not in this lifetime, but it, it is a very magical thing when it shows up. I highly, I, I just want people to pay attention to it. Right. I just want people yeah. to, to know that you can make that decision despite if there are people around you that are telling you, no, it's not right. You can't do that. You can you definitely can. And there's a whole massive supportive community in this world of people who have done that and are doing it. And you'll find them once you start attracting that through the, through the universe and asking for it, like interviewing people and, and yeah. saying, what are you doing? You know, and it's, it's cool. We have very similar. It's, it's, uh, I love this stuff. So happy. <laughs> um, what kind of dance do you do on your Insta? Instagram like what's that stuff you're always posting I know it's just fun for you I don't, I don't think it's more than that but it's like so, I love I like it say, I like to say that dancing is the way I speak to my god um yeah. but I'm completely in my body I'm not I'm not thinking I'm just um I'm just being and I so I do a combination of um different dances here in Cali but I mean, the traditional dance here is salsa, and I dance salsa, like, my whole life. But I do, like, this urban Latin dance, um, which is called salsa choque. And so that's what I've been dancing a lot of lately. 
Um, so I danced with like this dance group in a, in like a very, it's like one of the most dangerous neighborhoods in the city, but there's like this amazing community of dancers there and they let me train with them, rehearse with them. So that's what I do. It's like, it's like a Latin, yeah, Latin urban, Latin street dance. A lot of hip. It's a lot of hip. <laughs> what's, your, so what's your Instagram? Whitney, Whitney Cox one. Is that where you're posting? Whitney those? Cox one. Yeah. Do you have a clothing one too? I feel like I have. I do. I have a clothing line. It's called Kilele. It's K-I-L-I-K-I-L-E-L-E. Um, that Instagram is the Kilele Collection, and okay. that line came out of. I like to think that, like, you know, if if warrior girl is like the the living representation of like my spiritual and emotional transformation kilele is like the visual representation of that so i you know i grew up in new york worked on wall street it was a lot of like you know if you're like a self-respecting new yorker you wear a lot of black gray maybe navy blue if you're like you know crazy and uh when i started do, taking these african dance classes i fell in love with the african fabrics um, that we, uh, of the clothes that we would use to dance in, but the, the, the designs were very traditional. Like you could only wear them inside dance class. So I started making my own clothes using these fabrics and people started asking me where I got it and people started like buying them from me. <laughs> and, uh, now I have this clothing line and it's basically like, I mean, the clothes are very vibrant. They're very, I feel like it's like yeah. the visual representation of how I live my life. You know, it's like, they're very playful, they're flirty, they're fun. You can, you know, be as crazy or as muted as you want with them. You can combine a lot of colors or just use one. And um, so that's been, you know, another thing that's come out of this, this awakening, this healing process that I've, I've gone through over the past uh, 18 months now. <laughs> it's only been 18 months. Did, did any of these incredible things that you're involved with now or that you have created did you ever imagine that you would have that when you were in Wall Street, say, five, five years ago? Dude, it's so funny you ask that question. And this is why you can never, um, this is why you need to just sit back and let the universe do its work because yeah. the universe is so much more clever and more creative and has such a better sense of humor than we do if we just <laughs> let that intuition, like that greater knowledge take over. Because seriously, Heath, if you had told me, that in five years I was going to be living in paradise, like running my own business, life coach, hosting retreats, my clothing business. Like I would not, I would not have believed you. I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> it would be like, I would be like a script out of like my dream life, but like I wouldn't have even known at the time that like that was even a possibility for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. but it is like vision to reality. Yeah. And when you surrender to the universe and that higher intelligence, this is what happens. And I'm yeah. very, very happy and, and humbled that, that you were able to share a lot of that on the show. And, and for everybody who's listening and the inspiration that comes out of it to just help people move forward one step at a time. Cause you know, it's never too late. It's never too early to start. Never. There's never a wrong or a right. There's never a timeline for what you can do. And, and I, I do think some things wait for a reason and, and for the right time, but you cannot limit yourself with the disbelief that you are too inexperienced or young um, or too old or too slow to begin. And I have a yeah. friend who has this motto. It's kind of like, do what you love, love what you do. And I'm not sure where it came from. 
and it may be direct and obvious, but it's not crazy to follow that simple advice. And if it is crazy, well then fuck, embrace the lunacy. Like Van yeah. Gogh didn't pick up a paintbrush until he was 28 and he passed away when he was 37. Look at his influence on life. Yeah. It's insane. It's like you can influence the entire world in a much shorter time than you think. And the whole world believes in you. And yeah. yeah. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> one, one thing I want to ask to kind of close this out is, and I just, I like this question a lot. And it's, it's something that I, I asked myself quite a bit to try to remember, but when, when was the last time you cried tears of joy? Oh my God. All the time. But I want to tell you the strongest experience that I've had um, recently. Yes. Um, and, and that before I cried a lot, but I never knew what it was to cry tears of joy. I, um, so I had my 40th birthday party last year. Um, and I really wanted to, I just wanted to throw myself a raging party. I was like, I'm so happy to be alive. Like <laughs> this is going to be like the wedding I never had, but better because I'm marrying myself, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, I had like a hundred people, about like 25 people came from abroad, from Europe, from US, from Africa. Uh, my parents were there. I did like a surprise, like Christina Aguilera dance performance. I came out with like braids in my hair and like this crazy get up and like, it was insane. It was like literally the best night of my life. It was like every social class, every Is that on video? Yeah, it's on my Instagram. <laughs> nice. Um, it was like, it was just like, it was like a celebration of what I've created. And, you know, on the way home from the party, I started sobbing and my boyfriend was like, so worried. He's like, are you okay? What happened? And I, I said, no, I'm not sad. I just, I was literally sobbing. I was like, this was the best night of my life. I'm just so happy. Everything, like every moment, every like good thing, every bad thing, like every moment in my life, like I was overcome. I had like instead of like a panic attack or an anxiety attack, I had like a love attack or like a joy attack. Yeah. Um, and I was just so overwhelmed with everything that, that had, that had happened. Um, and I have those moments, I have those moments more and more frequently. As you align with yourself. Yeah. You know, it starts flooding out love, just unconditional love and that bond that just bond with what we are, what is, and in the end, unconditional love drives everything. Yeah. I really do believe that. And it's just a matter of ripping off those layers and figuring out what, what that means for each of us individually. And yeah, so beautiful. I'm yeah, so happy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so awesome to talk to you, Heath. I always love catching up with you. Yeah. So what, so I, I'm going to put those contacts in, in the show notes and all of that, which people can get at heatharmstrong.com forward slash podcast. But is there anywhere else or anything else that you want to share before we cut off? Um, no, that's it. Get anything. You know, if people want to reach me, you can reach me on Instagram, Whitney Cox one. I'm a, I'm a, uh, you can also email me Whitney at warriorgirlcoaching.com and my, um, my website, WarriorGirlCoaching.com. <laughs> WarriorGirlCoaching.com. All right. Amazing. And you are headed where? Are you in Columbia for a while or? 
I'm in Colombia for like two more days and then we're going to the islands. We're going to these islands. They're Colombia, um, but it's off the coast of Nic Nicaragua. It's kind of like a, it's like a combination of like Jamaica and Colombia. So we're going to be kite surfing, scuba diving. Oh man, I'm jealous. Yeah. So we'll be gone. It's called San Andres, San Andres en Providencia. So we're going for two weeks. I'm super excited to get get back in the in the water in, in contact with the water god <laughs> i'm so i'm so jelly over here now <laughs> i'm actually sustaining about four or five months straight in portland it's the longest i've been without traveling in a while to wow. launch uh, rage create and and really focus on on i have to step into this like creation role for the next four or five months but after that columbia columbia that's really the only two. Yeah, I want to do Colombia, and I want to. I want to do some parts in Europe that I have not explored. My great grandmother has the house that she was in. I've got like the little coordinates in the street somewhere on like Auschwitzland, Germany, and it's like this tiny little place. I want to go find it. Awesome. I feel like I got to go find it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, Whitney, I love you. You're amazing. Love you, honey. So Thank you so much. Well. Yeah, and I will. Just keep in contact and when i come down there i'm definitely going to harass you cool i, I know you'll be thriving <laughs> <laughs> okay have an amazing an amazing everything all the time as everyone should here. yeah and every day is a bonus round and, and everybody just slow down enjoy something yeah. beautiful hey do you have a favorite quote by the way um that's a good question actually i don't know why uh, it just popped into my head trying to think i was just writing something the other day give me one second i was right i was writing um no i don't have it open this awesome quote i can't think of it well if you have something that you want to say to people to aliens to arcturians to pleiadians to energy <laughs> spirits to deities in in the last closing of this what would it be i would say that it is always possible to pull victory from the jaws of defeat if you believe that it is so. Oh, believe. <laughs> nice. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. And right. I appreciate you sharing the energy and the love here and I can feel it and everybody's going to feel this. So. It's awesome. awesome. Thank you so much. There's a place called space and it's got the magic. There's a place called space and it's got the balls. There's a place called space and it's got the passion. There's a place called space where we can smash the walls. There's a place called space where we'll face fuck conformity and the chatter of incompetence is slaughtered at birth. In this place called space, we'll build a factory of smiles that will assemble with our minds and sell to Earth. Hello everybody, this is Todd. Um, I just wanted to give a shout out to Matthew Jaggers, who helped us with that little bridge called In the Jungle, uh, in the middle of the podcast episode, or towards the beginning I should say. And another little shout out to Jeremy, who was a catalyst in creating the amazing music for the intro and outro that Heath 
uh, rantily created with him. So, yeah, those are some pretty strag, amazing dudes. And we just wanted to say hello and ta-ta and check out their their buns and their chest because they've got, they've got a phenomenal physique that I think the whole world should just kind of uh, get a little taste or feel of in some way. I also just wanted to, instead of share links, I, I wanted to take initiative to share a card from the Sweet Ass Domination deck on Heath's behalf. So this affirmation is, I release all attachments to judgment. I love and I respect myself because I sometimes have issues with loving and respecting myself. And since we talked about the dog earlier and how that is a perfect um, example of unconditional love, I thought this would be a perfect card to read afterwards. So it's fun to break the rules, but what about breaking the rulers? Ooh, without the ruler, there is no judgment or comparison to the way that it should be. So stop shooting all over yourself, you stinky little boy. Don't let others shoot on you either. P.U. Only you are in control of how your life is measured. So be confident in your skin and allow others the same respect. By judging others, you only distract yourself long enough to avoid having to deal with an internal fear. Like shooting on yourself. <laughs> Release all attachments to judgment and wipe your worries clean. And that, my friends, is how you approach life. And make sure you're always shaking that stinky little booty that you got. Don't do it with a should. Do it because you can. Mm. Until next time, ta-ta.